0: Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Motors and Martinis. This is Kerry Hubbard and my co-host... Mr. Brian Rab davis And today, we are going to discuss a very interesting topic that has a lot of... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Miseducation and a lot of disdain throughout the time. And yes, there is a sordid history of it. But before we get into that, which I'll tell you here in a minute... We'll uh, go about and say how are things going on for you up there. Well, you know, I got to tell you, it—it's—I have not
1: had the best day, and uh, I won't get too in detail because uh, you know the the per- people involved are being kind of quiet. But suffice to say, a very close family member who's a child—we um, just found out today—they're very seriously ill. So that that's been weighing heavily on me. So, so if I'm not my usual chipper self, I, I kind of got that cooking in the back of my mind today.
0: Well, I can totally understand that, as I am also dealing with the same thing, but with my best friend over eighteen years. So it's kind of uh, even knowing it's not new news, it's still something that's always there, and it. um, Oh sure. It weighs heavily, indeed.
1: Well, I'll tell you though, Carrie, I'm really grateful for good friends like you, who, when I've got something heavy, and you know, when life gets me down, I can chat with you about the things you, I, and. And lots of other people enjoy, like, uh, the history of the automobile and and other things. So that's that's one of the pleasures that takes some of the pain out of the hard parts of
0: life. You as well. It definitely does help to be able to conversate and have a good friend there. So I appreciate that, too.
1: So, yeah, but other than that, though, it's been really busy out here. Chris and I had our our, uh, non-denominational holiday party last week, which was also our uh, wedding reception slash housewarming party. So all of last week was spent bedecking the halls and uh, installing synthetic holiday bushes in the front room and, and stocking the, the, the fridge with, with um, libations of which I'm indulging in now. And um, yeah, so, so that was last week. This week, the, the things have been kind of even keel, save, save for the uh, sad news. So uh, yeah, he, here we are recording the next uh, episode of Motors
0: and Martinis. Nice. Well, that's that sounds like fun, at least on the party side of things. I know those can always be rather entertaining. It was,
1: although I did my usual social anxiety thing. I get so worked up prepping for the party that when it finally arrives to calm myself down, well,
0: maybe I had a little too much holiday cheer. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I, uh, I could definitely relate to that. But let's see. My exciting entertainment news recently is I've been replacing the engine in the smart car. That's so much fun. Well, it can't weigh any more than, uh, I, I don't know, it probably doesn't weigh any more than a sewing machine, like a Singer Featherweight sewing machine. Oh, the engine's actually really not that heavy. It's only a one liter three cylinder, It's just how everything is so compact and jammed in there is um it makes for a not so entertaining time working on it i definitely yeah. would say i don't enjoy working on the smart car and if anyone out there has or ever has the pleasure of removing an engine and doing an engine swap um yeah you would definitely know and i wouldn't recommend it
1: yeah it's quote no user serviceable parts inside unquote
0: yeah and you can definitely tell where it was a vehicle made to be an inexpensive vehicle to be driven around as you know a good commuter vehicle, but as far as serviceability, it's uh, it's not up there in the par with some of the other stuff I'm used to working on. You know, I
1: never I was reading this uh, article. It was back in the you know my high school days, back in the '90s, and it was a comparison between the then contemporary fourth generation Corvette. Um, I think a you know twin turbo Mitsubishi three thousand GT and Ugh. the. Uh, and the, the uh, Nissan 300ZX Turbo, and one of the editors preferred the Corvette, not necessarily for the way it drove, although it acquitted itself well, but he said <clears throat> the Corvette is the only car present amongst this company where if you took a glass of water and poured it in the engine bay, it
0: would just come out the bottom because there was nothing to get in its way yeah i would definitely have to agree since i have owned both a 3000 gt twin turbo and a 300zx twin turbo and oh my god those are just they're cool cars don't get me wrong they're fun to drive but you open up the hood and it's like you you need a rabbi a priest every other sort of everything just to stand there give it a blessing because it is unholy amounts of hell to work on those things i mean i get a little bit of that with my fiat
1: because you know it's it's not nearly as jam-packed as the engine bay of one of those Japanese GTs of the 90s. But there's not a lot of space, and there is a lot of plumbing, and it's crammed into a very small area. I imagine it'd be a little bit like running your smart car, just you know,
0: the other way around. Yeah, pretty much. And a little bit smaller. <laughs> yeah. But, anywho, so on today's topic, we're going to discuss general motor diesels in passenger cars which was if memory serves from 1977 or 78 i'm not 100 sure i'd have to double check until 1985 was the last of production on diesel vehicles because i just bought a 1983 chevrolet celebrity cl with a 4.3 liter transverse mounted diesel and for those who don't know, that is a V six.
1: It but it, it does share parentage with the notorious three hundred and fifty cubic inch Oldsmobile
0: diesel V eight, and we'll we'll elaborate on that as we as we move along here. It yes, it is a V six. It's uh, front wheel drive. It's a uh, it was it was a very well. We'll talk about the story here in a little bit because the V six version is, granted, it shares a lot of bloodline of the 350s it is quite a bit different and it was a very interesting engine but they did make for one year only in 1979 a 4.3 liter v8 diesel but that did not last very long (laughs) now what's interesting is that 4.3 liter v6 diesel I i have actually seen that in a cadillac deville yep it was i think 85 only 84 i know 85 for sure you could get a v6 in a cadillac And uh, memory serves right, the 85 was the first year of the front-wheel drive baby Cadillacs, the DeVille Fleetwoods or whatnot. And and that's what it was. And uh, was that John's car? Uh, It was previously. I forget the name of the current owner.
1: Uh, I last saw it in person at the GM Front-Wheel Drive Society show in Detroit over the summer. Um, It's lovely. It's a white white slick top, uh, blue interior. Very
0: nice car. Oh, it's a very lovely car, and uh, that is a one-year-only car in that Cadillac with having a 4.3-liter diesel, and uh, very, very interesting. But I want to start off with a discussion on the 350 on the GM diesels in the 350s because everyone says, and they've been saying it for a very long time, and anyone I talk to, and it's kind of a a little bit of a miseducation side of it. But, you know, there's always a story of, oh, GM just converted a 350 gas and made it a diesel. And that is actually oh, 100% n- false. N- absolutely. That old chestnut needs to be put to bed, emphatically
1: and M- forever.
0: Yes. I, I'm very tired of people. And actually, still to this day, I get people with my 6.2 liter diesel Suburban. They're like, oh, isn't that the converted engine? And no, General Motors never converted a gasoline engine to a diesel. What they did is they use the geometry and the base idea of a 350 construction to make the diesel so they wouldn't have to modify the cars to put the engine in. The block is entirely different. But it
1: does share similar dimensions so it can use the same tooling in manufacture as well. But it's its own block. And yeah. it's, it's cast It's cast from a different uh, iron alloy that's I
0: believe higher in nickel content. It is not the same animal at all. And it's uh, the, the actual castings are thicker And Mm -hmm. if you look at the side of the block, it says 350D, and then the later engines, which are the coveted engines, were were 350DXs, which is why back in the day, when and there's a lot, there's several other issues with the 350 diesel that were then corrected because they rushed them into production, but people that got sick and tired of 350 diesels and converted their cars, the, the 350 block, the diesel block was coveted in the racing, in the drag world, because you can make a very high horsepower 350 small block because the, the block was so stout compared to a regular Oldsmobile 350.
1: Oh, yeah, the, the blocks. And and I think that's had something to do with the the gasoline conversion misnomer because many people converted the, the diesel block to run on
0: gasoline. GM did not convert a gasoline block to run on diesel. That is That is absolutely correct. You can bolt gas heads on it. There's a few things to change around, and you can make a very robust gas diesel block but gm did not do that they just made it um dimensional and kind of size the same so they didn't have to change around and other things but there was some teething issues uh, early on because they did rush into production that is a definite known fact um they also which manufacturers do and you have to think of the time frame they did skip a couple of corners when they uh, did the engines. so the, the early ones did not have water separators and in the late 70s diesel fuel was not particularly of the best quality like you know we know it in the fairly modern time and that Wait. do what I was gonna say and
1: I was just gonna elaborate on that and to mitigate that problem owners would put uh, an alcohol in their fuel which ended up causing problems with rubber seals elsewhere in the system
0: just adding another layer of, of problems. Yes, that is, that is exactly what they would do because that was a common thing that truckers would do back in those days. And, you know, you go from, you know, a big truck engine to uh, that style engine and uh, it would cause problems with the rubber. The injection pumps had a lot of problems. They would get corrosion because of the water. Another of the issues is uh, consumer misunderstanding of how to operate it. You know, if you go into the mindset – of a 350 diesel that you've got a regular 350 gas and you drive it the same way, you will have problems. They would break, you know, connecting rods if there are rods, uh, crankshafts would be broken. And one of the really big issues that that engine had was not really training the dealers and the technicians on how to properly work on it. And at that time, torque to yield cylinder bolts were not common. That was not something they really used. And they use it on that engine. So I actually have personally heard stories of uh, older gentlemen I know that used to work at Chevy dealerships back in the day. And uh, they're like, oh, yeah, we just, you know, it'd have a problem. We'd put a head gasket in and throw the bolts right back in and the car would be back in around eight to 10,000 miles. So I definitely got a bit of a bad rap for the fact that there wasn't enough training involved in how to repair the engine at the dealerships. Absolutely, and this wouldn't this wouldn't be the first time that was a problem. Like
1: much of the Corvairs' reputation came from a lack of understanding about the correct tire pressure to use with the rear engine car, and and so on. So, you know, it's it is quite often the loose nuts behind the wheel. But I still I can't blame consumers for being upset when the car for which they just paid plenty of money you paid a premium to have that diesel uh, to have have so many mechanical problems with something that should have really delivered the best of both worlds, traditional comfort and and very good fuel economy, because uh, when they were running right, that 350 diesel would give really good economy in a big, full-size, uh, comfortable car with traditional Detroit luxury.
0: Yeah, it, it wasn't uncommon in one of those to get 28, 30 miles to the gallon in a Cadillac or an Olds Regency 98 there's a, a great oh, yeah. motor trend from I think 82 or 83 where they did a full test on a Regency diesel and they were like it is slow and granted it was slow it had no turbo and my 62 diesel is slow there's just non-turbo diesels that's how they are and, and if anyone's driven a 1.5 liter diesel rabbit you know but you know, knowing that that's what you got and the kind of fuel mileage that, that they were able to uh, achieve out of that vehicle, they were like, this is actually pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, it's not like they put it in a Corvette, for God's sakes. It was in the big luxury cars or even the medium. So it was, it, was, it was put in cars that were meant to be comfortable, not fast.
0: And it was put in cars that they wanted to maintain having luxury boats that got fairly decent fuel mileage and try to meld those two worlds together and... Later on the 350 diesel when they finally fixed a few things on it and you know were able to um, right a few of their wrongs uh, unfortunately the American market and the consumers it had been far too tainted uh, for this particular market and the sales really plummeted very badly and that's when they finally decided to pull the plug on the entire program
1: now this is interesting because there's so many you know, instances of a product being imperfect when it comes to market. And uh, the initial consumers are the ones who do the beta testing on it, uh, the GM diesel and even the Fiero, the Corvair, so on and so forth. And those products are forever damned in the eyes of the public. But Tesla, who kind of does the same thing. You know, Elon can do no wrong. They're, 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 it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's amazing. It's great. I'm going to keep buying them. I'm going to buy two of them. So what's the difference?
0: I personally think the difference is transparency to where people know that they are going to be a uh, beta testing platform for that particular thing. And the kind of people that get into that and are really excited to do that are people who want to be part of something like that compared to... Yeah you know, we're going to rush it to market and we'll see what happens and not say anything to anyone.
1: That that That's a great point. And the Tesla buyer, by and large, at least early on, were high tech people who are interested to be part of the process. Old diesel buyers were people who wanted a comfortable car that got 30 miles to the gallon and started exactly. every morning with no trouble.
0: Exactly. And you see MMA lighting up her Newport, trying to start her diesel and it has a blown head gasket. She's going to be very, very, very upset by that. Oh, yeah, late. she's late
1: to bingo. She's late to her hair appointment. Heaven forfend.
0: Yeah, and and I actually have known people in the past who have, uh, who've owned those kind of cars in the stories. One of my personal favorite stories is a good friend of mine. Uh, in the early 80s, he was probably... 12, 13 years old at that point. And his family in New Jersey owned a tour bus company. So they rented out tour buses to bands and everything. They had these big golden Eagle and MCI coaches. I love golden Eagles, but that's <sighs> an episode in its own right. Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree. But because that his family had such a large amount of these big diesel coaches, they had a kind of an almost endless supply of diesel. Like if, any of the family member, you know, had like a Mercedes or, you know, some sort of a diesel. You could just basically fill it for free, you know, on the um, on the property because they had these big diesel tanks. So his aunt bought a 1982 Tornado diesel brand. It was white with red interior and his exactly. It's the the touch to the heart out here. Oh, that's pearls. Oh. And his, he said his favorite memory was his aunt would pile like six or seven of the kids into the car, roll the window down maybe an inch, light up a cigarette, throw a Neil Diamond 8-track in the, the, the radio, and just take off down the hill. September morn. But um, yeah, it's I, I can understand where GM was definitely going into why they did it. You know, you look at all the different diesels. I mean, at one point in the 80s, you could get... Damn near anything with a diesel, Toyota Camry, trucks, you know, Volkswagens, Mercedes, General Motors, every. Yep, the Continental Mark 7. Yeah, and uh, uh, Ford Tempo, Chevette. Yep, Chevette. Um, What was one I saw recently that was a really oddball one? I had to think about it. But yeah, it's like literally... Everything and anything for the most part, you could get with a diesel, because yes, they were like I had a eighty two diesel rabbit truck, and that thing averaged fifty eight miles at the gallon. It was actually blew my mind,
1: yeah, my friend Vinnie Morgan has got a little diesel rabbit, and he let me drive it a couple years back, and I have never driven a car that was. So slow, yet tried so hard and put such a smile on my face. The way it engaged me as a driver was pure magic in spite of its lack of performance. I really, really warmed up to that car.
0: Oh, they are really great. I, I loved my little pickup. I actually drove it from here to Manhattan, Kansas and back. It was a slow adventure, but I got great fuel mileage and didn't cost much to drive out there. But... Let's see. Then we get into the vehicle I have, which was introduced in 1982, was the V6 4.3 liter diesel when they were trying to add more market of, you know, smaller economy midsize cars. So you can get the Oldsmobile, uh, Cutlass Sierra, the Celebrity, the Pontiac 6000. Uh, Buick Century. Buick Century. Yep. Um, all with the 4.3 yeah, they- liter V6 diesel. Is it the GMA body, front yep. wheel drive A body? Yep. And GM took a lot of their lessons that they learned from the 350 and they retooled to make a special V6 diesel. And yes, it's a 4.3, which, you know, the newer Vortec 4.3 is whatever. But um, the diesels have uh, five bolts per cylinder instead of four, which is what the 350s had. So they're significantly more stout. They'd actually built an entire new factory for that engine. And they had come up with a really fascinating new uh, casting method on the the aluminum cylinder heads for the front wheel drive cars. Because you could also get it in a rear wheel drive car. Uh, yes, you could. The the G-bodies. Yep. And uh, those were all, as far as I know, cast iron cylinder heads. Most of all the front wheel drive cars like my car had the aluminum cylinder heads. So I think they were 60 pounds lighter than the cast iron cylinder heads ones. And they all made 85, 90 horsepower with like hundred and. What, one hundred and forty-five foot-pounds of torque and uh, one hundred and sixty-five, one hundred and sixty-five foot-pounds. I have a dyslexia problem. Sometimes I mix numbers, but uh, yeah, one hundred sixty-five. Me
1: too. i but I, but I, I have cue cards. I oh. took notes
0: about the. <laughs> I did too, and then my computer restarted and deleted my Word document. So, ugh. And and that's why I'm actually using index cards. I I have three by
1: five index cards sitting on my desk with notes about the four point three and five point seven liter GM diesels. Look at you being so analog. I'm so proud of you. Look, it's it's not that I'm analog. This is how I learned. I'm just that old.
0: I usually write stuff down, but I was in the middle of... Uh, I've been trying to find some parts for the celebrity, and while I was doing it, I was doing some research, and I was just typing it up on a Word document, and I was going to write it down later. And then, yeah, like I say, the um, my computer restarted, which kind of pissed me off. But anyways... Um what, what else in there? Oh, so on the V6, they only made it for three years, 82, three, four, Oh, so four years technically, two to 82 to 85. And interestingly enough, I read this article from years ago that said when they finally uh, put the lid on the diesel production on the V6s, there was actually a significant amount of tooling for that setup that they had never even unpacked. They were just still sitting there.
1: It amazes me that they, they didn't put more. I mean, they, they made a huge investment in – tooling and making right on their errors for the 350, but they never promoted the 4.3. And I, I don't quite know why that is. I mean, I, I guess part of it was uh, by the mid to late 80s, we started to, to relax a lot about the, the fears of gas shortages. And I guess they just didn't see the need for it. And, and, and still, even in those days, uh, GM was, you know, king of the hill, even in, in their own eyes, even if, if perhaps the hill was being eroded out from under them. And I, I guess they figured it was just, well, we can we can just discard that and carry on because we're we're us.
0: Exactly. And it's a shame because the 4.3 liter could have actually evolved into something really amazing. It it really could have.
1: Oh, yeah, because unlike the 350 slash 5.7, it was good out of the box.
0: Oh, oh, yeah, it's uh. I've talked to people in the – I've been posting my car and my YouTube video, which if if anyone wants to see the celebrity on Carrie's Garage YouTube, I did a video of it picking it up, and I did get it started. It's very clackety. It's wonderful. Oh, I
1: I watched the video. It's fantastic. And one of the things about the small mics that are part of your telephone for making the – Video. Wow, I sound like Grandpa Simpson there. Oh um, my God, the mic on your phone. I'm
0: telling you right I now. When
1: well, you yeah, yeah, when you get your telephone and you make the movies with your telephone, a little, the little sounds come out real loud and crackety, don't you know? Anyway, uh, but yeah, but it, it does it does seem that the phone mics do emphasize mechanical noises. It's just something you know their, their natural natural frequency and resonance is is sensitive to that. So yeah, that video was great, and I recommend anyone and everyone. Uh, you know, check out YouTube for Carrie's Garage and watch the uh, the, the
0: celebrity for three diesel bids and everything else, too, for that matter. And the best part about my celebrity is it's a sea of brown. It's got brown everywhere. It's brown two-tone with brown cloth interior with brown plastic and brown vinyl. It's wonderful. So your celebrity, I mean, it it's... It's a sun-baked,
1: crispy critter, but it was a high-end car in its day. It looks like it's got all the... It's even got a floor
0: shift. It's got the floor shift with console. It's got a power adjustable driver's seat. It's got power windows, power door locks, cruise control. Um, I'm not sure if it has the best stereo, but it's got a good stereo on it. It's got the simulated wood grain with a little wood grain in the steering wheel, cruise control... Um, it doesn't have body painted mirrors. Uh, I don't know if it has delayed wipers or not because the switch is broken. I need to look. I need to look at the wiper motor on that. And um, there was one other option. Oh, it doesn't have the full gauge package. It has the speedometer, a fuel gauge, and idiot lights. The the temp and volt gauge package was not was an option, but my car doesn't have it. But it's going to. I'm going to actually find one and convert it. One of the things I wondered is uh, on the Celebrity, could you get the F41 suspension package with the diesel? I doubt it because of the sheer weight of the engine and trying to compensate for that, but I don't know. And um, I've discovered that my car, I mean, there's probably 20 of them in the world, I would have to guess, and they're so rare. I have gotten so fascinated by the a body diesels and my car in uh, particular the celebrity that now i'm starting to like scour the corners of everywhere in the world of the internet and trying to pick all little information and you know trying to find all the little stuff and there's a couple of people out there There's just one guy i've been talking to mark he's like the 43 diesel guru he knows like everything about these things so it's really cool so i'm trying to learn all the nuances now on the diesel specific cars because there's really not a huge amount of information out there and The biggest problem is parts. They don't exist for the engine. It is insane how absolutely rare anything for the 4.3 diesel is. It's it's painful, and that's what I'm currently dealing with because my car needs head gaskets. And um, they haven't made those head gaskets in many years. You know, I
1: wonder if that's the kind of thing you could have custom-made. I'm sure they're expensive, but,
0: uh, you know, I think it's doable. So the one option for not being able to get a production head gasket is you can get a copper head gasket made, which is very popular in high performance and race cars because you don't have a layered composite material to possibly blow out or break down. So you actually get a you specify a thickness of a head gasket and they'll laser cut and do all the little stuff and make an exact gasket out of copper. And then you put a ceiling compound on it and you torque it down. So that is an option. And there's one company who uh, Clark's copper head gaskets, I believe that I was going to call, but they're not in the shop this week. So, but I had a martini the other evening. And uh, I started scouring the internet again because I'm really good about finding really bizarre stuff. And I found the Factory General Motors part numbers, the Felpro part numbers. I even called Felpro directly. And they don't even list it in their system anymore. They have made it in so long. And I I asked the guy, is there any way that I could have you guys, you know, make non, you know, uh, produce that part because you guys have made it in years. And he's like, oh, yeah, we'll do it if you want to buy 10,000 of them. So, and you're yeah. thinking and you're thinking about it, 10,000 times, $30 a piece,
1: only 300 grand, worth it to save a, a Sunbaked Celebrity Diesel.
0: Yeah. And the fact that there's probably a fraction of 10,000 4.3 diesels in existence. So um, oddly enough, in uh, Vero Beach, Florida, I found a guy on Craigslist who happened to have a Craigslist ad for brand new, you know, I've been sitting for a while, but he had a set of four, three Felpro diesel head gaskets. And I hope you wired him the money immediately. The, the, the money order is currently in the post on the way to him. We agreed on a very decent price. I mean, yes, it's significantly more than, you know, like online. Because there is Summit Racing and there's another company who actually lists the Felpro part number, which if anyone's curious is 8777-PT, but it's kind of useless because, eh. um, and you know, they're like 32 to $38, you know, when you could get them when they were a manufactured things. So I offered him a hundred dollars for both gaskets because where, where am I going to find any more of these yeah, things? Yeah, I mean,
1: they're, in, they're incredibly rare, but they're so rare that there's only two or three people in the world
0: who might want them. It, exactly. So, Since I found a guy who happened to have a set that he was selling, I talked to him a bit. He's like, yeah, you had one years ago and uh, he had bought several, he bought, I don't know, he had like five or six head gaskets because he worked on a few of them and he doesn't work on them anymore. So he was trying to sell them. And he told me, I don't have a lot of people reaching out for these things, but I figured I'd put them out there and I was like, I need these. So thankfully I'm going to be able to get those. And then now I need to find the intake manifold, the exhaust manifold gaskets and bolts. So now I'm scouring to find those as well.
1: God, stories like this make me wish my family had kept the auto parts store because I am willing to bet that after 50 years in business, we had some of those components on the shelf.
0: Well, and I just know for a fact, I, I just know, but it's one of those things, you know, some of those people kind of like that, you know, they're not uh, listed on the internet, but you know, I guarantee you if I went to rural Kansas or, you know, like up in some rural area in Washington state, because diesels were really big up there and I went into, a small mom and pop store in a little town and walked in there and be like do you happen to have these parts or probably sit some sitting on the shelf because i would run into really weird stuff like that in rural areas but you know they don't have websites or anything so it's kind of hard to find yeah exactly you've got to you've got to go in there you've got to make nice with mom and pa behind the counter um i hope they don't suss out that you're a big city sissy kind of boy and uh, give you your parts well, I think I'd walk in with a pair of cowboy boots and my hat on and be like, oh, pardon me, ma'am, but I'm looking for some head gaskets for my diesel. <laughs> you
1: know, I have said that exact same thing at the Cinch in San Francisco, but that's another story
0: for another day. Wow. Okay. Uh, but so, um, oh, and the other thing too is my car only has 56,000 original miles on it, which it's actually pretty, and uh, I found a sticker under the, the hood, and it said it was uh, from Ed Black Chevrolet, which was a Albuquerque Chevrolet <coughs> dealership back in the day. Well, so you're, so your Chevy has not been anywhere but the Albuquerque area its whole life. I do know from the lady that I bought it from, her dad, it was her car, her dad's car, back and forth, whatever, they'd had, they've had it for, I, I think since the late 80s, uh, she drove it down in Las Cruces when she was in college. Um, other than that, it's pretty much been in Albuquerque, and you know, this area, and it's been sitting on and off for years because uh, they were not mechanical people. Her dad was, I'm mean, going to use air quotes for this, mechanical, but, you know, he's the kind of person, oh, I can put some spark plugs in it. Oh, I changed the oil. Uh, oh, this doesn't work, so I'll put some wire ties around it, and it'll work again. So the, the diesel, uh, all six glow plugs are dead as a doornail. And if anyone knows anything about old IDI diesels, they do not start without glow plugs. They are very cold-blooded, picky, pain in my asses. And uh, they always said they had a really hard time getting it started. And, you know, when they finally were just like, it won't start, so they just parked it in the yard. That's when it's that.
1: Hey, you know, I've got to give it to them, though. At least they weren't the kind of people who say, well, I'm going to get around to fixing it up one day. At least they let you buy it. And you can give it the care it needs. And now this incredibly rare car is going to be back on the road. And that is fantastic. And sure, it's a little sun-baked, but it's a unicorn amongst unicorns.
0: Well, so so here's a cringy thing that uh, she told me when I went to go look at it last Thursday. Because um, I'd had a couple of gin and tonics on Wednesday evening. And I, I did the, the bad, bad thing where I clicked on Facebook Marketplace, which I should permanently be banned from. And I saw Chevy Celebrity and I recognized it because she put it up for sale two years ago and I offered her, she wanted like 700 or 750 bucks for it and I offered her 500 bucks because I was like, I don't need it, but it's cool. You know, it's, it's a bucket list item for me. And, uh, she wouldn't sell it to me for that because I guess somebody was going to buy it or something. I don't know. But then I saw it again and I was like, I know that car. That's the Celebrity Diesel. So, and she was asking 550 bucks for it. So I sent her a message, and I was like, I, I'm i really interested in the car. I know those engines. It's very unique, and I'm actually a diesel mechanic. I know these things really well. Can I please come look at it? So I went to look at it, and you we know, were checking it out. And, and uh, she said, oh, I already called the u Pullet yard, and I was going to send it off to the junkyard because I need to get rid of it, but they wouldn't take it because it doesn't have a catalytic converter. Well, of course it doesn't. It's a diesel from the 80s. And I guess it not having a catalytic converter saved it from being to the junkyard because she... But she was just gonna let it, have it hauled off. She didn't want to deal with it. If I didn't come that day, she was trying to find a way just to scrap it because she's trying to clean up her dad's yard. But um, you know, I told her, you know, what I want to do with the car, and she kept saying, "Oh, well, you know, these aren't really that reliable." Blah blah blah. You know, this isn't a car that you can really drive every day to work or you know take on a road trip. And I was like, "When I'm done with it, I will be able to drive it to Maine and back without any problems." And that's my goal. And then she looked at me and said, "I'll let you have it for four hundred bucks." Score. And it has a title. It has paperwork, and not just in written in crayon on a bar napkin. Now it has a New Mexico issue title. She signed it over, so uh, yeah. And it was one of those for pure entertainment value, of alone of saying I've owned one of these and being able to work on one. It was worth it, and being able to save, which I've now discovered because of how much incredible attention this car has gotten, a genuine piece of GM history.
1: Oh, yeah, no, it, it, it is truly special, and uh, I'm, I'm so glad you got it. Now, I've got to ask though this is a little bit of a tangent. The New Mexico titles, uh, is a New Mexican pink slip as cool-looking as a New Mexican license plate? Like, does it have chili peppers on it or anything?
0: No, it is not. It's very, very bland, actually. Um, oh, that's disappointing. They're, let's see. They got little scrollies on it, though there's really nothing special about it it's just a title yeah, that,
1: that yeah that that could be any title issued by any state in the union I, I was really hoping for like at least a at least one little chili pepper somewhere but i, I don't I, I guess i don't always get what i want
0: no i don't i don't think new mexico on the official government documents are that festive but well, i do i, I do i oh, Sorry. go ahead I do have a title from 1964 that I got with a car that I got from an estate from an original owner, and the title is so old that it's a um, it's like a transverse copy of a microfiche, it's a teeny little thing. Oh it's, wow! It's so cool. I have to find it somewhere and send you a picture. It's really neat.
1: You know, you know there is some anorak out there and their entire thing is just collecting car titles and they've studied all the technology and the different ways in which it's been done. You, you know that person exists. There's only one of them. They I'm willing to bet they are in England and they're probably sitting in a shed at the bottom of their garden surrounded by various expired
0: and outdated car titles from all over the world. Well, I know in England, uh, tax discs are a big thing that they collect. They love tax discs. Oh,
1: next time I have a British car, and God willing, I will have one. I'm going to get the appropriate tax
0: disc from the UK and put it in the windscreen. So, this is one of those times where, you know, not being able to show our viewers, listeners, actually, right now, everything, but I will show you, because... Use the theater of your minds. Yes, think of it, and I will find it in a moment, because this is... The gigantic binder of documents from the bentley and in here somewhere i have test tech ta- god that is a tongue twister tax discs gotta try and say that five times fast good lord and i know this episode isn't about the bentley but tax discs are kind of cool somewhere i actually i have several of them and the original delivery um a receipt from the day it was delivered which is actually this from so i have the documents from the day it was picked up to the point that i got it but anyways um yeah somewhere in here i've got a couple of tax discs but anyways on the diesel um because of the amount and i'm sure this is making a lot of ruckus over the microphone with the amount of attention this car has gotten which is amazing and it's like, actually, one of the best videos I put out on YouTube. So thank you, everyone, for the support on that and all the comments and all the me wanting to bring it back to life. This is going to be like a star of the YouTube channel is the resurrection of the Diesel celebrity. And um, I think a goal of ours is we want to make it up to the oregon Malay show in June next year and actually drive it up oh, there.
1: That would be fantastic. You know, uh, I feel like since it's a, a a faded star that's due for a comeback, you should name it Norma after Norma Desmond.
0: Uh, we already named it Clarence because it reminds me of this guy I used to know back in the early 90s when I was a little kid who drove an A-body and smoked like a chimney, and his name was Clarence.
1: I can imagine a Clarence driving that, old, that, uh, that celebrity with a—I'm trying to think of what brand of cigarettes he would—Kent. Clarence would have smoked Kent's, and he would have smoked a lot of them. But uh, anyway, I digress. And actually, I realize we're probably getting close to time. Christopher and oh. I have a project this evening of, of fixing my... We're going to try to get the hydraulic ram off of our lift so I can oh, get, to the shop and get my car down.
0: <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, you have great amounts of fun with that, and I'm glad you were doing it and not me. Oh, tell me about it. I, I,
1: there's a reason why I had a glass of wine over the course of this evening's episode. I want to be in a more relaxed state when we tackle this. Although, believe it or not, the Ram, I don't think it's going to be that bad. It's an older Weaver lift. Um, seems to be pretty straightforward. Famous last words. Uh, I'll, uh, next next episode, I'll, I'll let everyone know what, uh, what transpires.
0: Well, you have fun with that, and uh, I will put a side note that we are acquiring yet another vehicle tomorrow. I really shouldn't, but it was given to me, but we are picking up a 1986 Mercury Grand Marquis Colony Park tomorrow at some point.
1: It, so you will no longer have to imagine yourself
0: in a Mercury. You'll be able to live the dream. I will, and we'll have a, finally an actual 80s big American wagon, which we've wanted for years, so we'll talk about that on the next episode. In the meantime, thank you everyone for listening, and uh, I wish everyone out there who can hear us the very, very best of everything. And as usual, Brian, it's been an absolutely wonderful time chatting with you and going over stuff, and catch you on the next one. Indeed, indeed. Have a good evening.